This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, the topic of today, actually, <laughs> is we are reviewing the series. And this is the first time we're doing this. It is. It is. Right? This we is a big deal. We are reviewing. I know. <laughs> we are reviewing a series from Paramount Plus. Yes. Some of you might not know there is even a Paramount Plus. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've we've kind of breaking our broken our own code, right? We we did it. We did a Peacock show because of, yes. because of me, and and now we're doing a, a Paramount Plus show because of you. So <laughs> right. And here's the thing, Jojo. I think over the past at least two months, we have not reviewed a Netflix show. I don't. Yeah, I don't think... Well, did we? actually, the last Netflix thing we did was Windfall. Yeah, it's true. We did talk about Windfall. Yeah. And, but that was at the beginning of April. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's May now, so... Yeah. So, and the reason for this is because we are starting to incorporate the new streaming platforms because originally, I think every streaming platform launched with things that they already had and most of those things are things that we've already seen the same can be said for instance with disney plus disney plus launched with all the star wars and all the marvel movies and blah 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 but they didn't have anything original until they started doing their own original thing and we're like well maybe we should take a look at this thing and boom we found wandavision we found uh, you know loki and we were like boom this is good peacock I think the first thing that impressed us about Peacock was Dr. Death. Yes. And I have to say, I have not seen anything similar to Dr. Death anywhere. Okay. But this time we are talking about the offer, uh, the making of The Godfather, the movie The Godfather. And boy, this is, this is an absolutely fantastic thing because... It's a story told from the perspective of the producer. And we think nothing like this has been done before, right, Jojo? Yeah, I I cannot think of any movie or TV series made about the making of a movie. I'm there may have been one at some point, but I I, I don't remember that ever being done. At least not to this extent, because this is a, a 10 episode series and uh, yes. a, quite an investment for, for Paramount. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about the cast more than anything else, because this is a, this is a brilliant cast, not only because of the quality as actors, but also because of the accuracy of what some of the folks involved looked like. Mm -hmm. And I find it incredibly fascinating. Mm -hmm. So we are going to briefly talk about it. It's only been four episodes so far, and it is a 10-episode uh, limited series. Yes. So there's quite a lot we still don't know. Well, we kind of know how it all ends. <laughs> <laughs> we have a little clue, yeah. small clue. <laughs> we, we have an idea. But, but the, the in path terms to get there. What, Exactly, the path to the to get there. There's still a lot that hasn't happened that we don't know, but we are going to take a crack at it. So, Jojo, if you would, you know, put it into layman's terms for us, if that's <laughs> if that's the thing. You know. I don't know, that's complicated, but yeah, sure. So, this is a series uh, based on the making of the movie The Godfather, which is arguably one of the best, if not the best movie of all time, according to everyone who's ever seen it. And it is told to the eyes of the producer, uh, Albert Ruddy, and pretty much solely through his eyes. Uh, this is his story and his view of what happened. And so this is everything that happened to get this movie made. And um, the things that have happened so far in just four episodes are pretty wild. There's your normal 
producer, director, studio heads clashing that you hear about with every movie, I think. This movie was also uh, involved the mafia, the mob, the Italian mob, and they're very much not wanting it to come out, along with uh, a few very famous people not wanting this movie to be made. So uh, it's actually a, a very, very interesting uh, take of uh, the the making of the movie The Godfather. And yes, it is. And you know, the good thing is that Al Ruddy is still alive, and he's very much the one telling the story. And Miles Teller, who is playing the role of Al Al Ruddy, has had conversations with Al, and sort of like has the perfect you know, details that he need to make Al come to life. And uh, there are some of my favorite actors in there. Uh, We're going to talk about the cast. But I do think, though, that it is important to take a moment to talk about the meat and bone of of, of the series. Because when it comes to the making of The Godfather, one of the things that I have always, always asked myself about is Mario Puzo. Mario Puzo, unfortunately, died a long time ago, uh, almost, I think, close to 30 years, uh, if, I'm, if I'm correct. And Mario Puzo was not, you know, a literary god, to, to be honest with you. He was a, a storyteller who was compelled to tell a story of the Italian-American experience. And Mario Puzo, it's, 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 it's sort of like interesting to see how he was portrayed by the Italian-American community because of The Godfather as a traitor to the community, whereas in his heart he was telling the story of a family, the story of what it is to be an American, an Italian-American family, despite the noise in the background of, you know, La Cosa Nostra and, and, and your mafia and all of that, Mariposo set out to do that. And the problem is, I kind of see where the Italian-American community was coming from by being so against the Godfather. But at the same time, it is sort of comparable to what conservatives are doing right now with critical race theory, in that 90% of them have not one fuck of an idea of what critical race theory is all about. None of them. None of them know what it is about but they're fiercely against it because race. It has the word race in it, so it's got to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so I think that's exactly what was happening with The Godfather, both the book and the movie, with the Italian-American community. You know, trust me, none of these motherfuckers read the book. But word of mouth is powerful. <laughs> and mm, it makes us look bad. And then boom, I'm against it. It's the kind of visceral reaction that seems to happen today on Twitter, right? Some of again twists the truth out of something, puts it on Twitter, creates a hashtag, and there you go. Am I right, George? <laughs> I, and I wonder too, and I, I may be delving a little bit too deep into this, so you can feel free to shut me up, but I, I wonder too if there wasn't concern in the Italian population, because I, I know that Italians were not considered whites until relatively recently. And yeah, Italians bought the white cards, like in the, in, in I think. Like in the late seventies, if you wanna, yeah, really come about it. I think once they started to be more active in politics, and you know, the newest generation of lawyers and clerks and this and that, 
that's when they earned uh, the white cards. But they were very heavily used by white politicians, but they weren't really considered. You, you, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, 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 I wonder if that was if that was part of it. If it was almost a fear thing that, hey, we just got our white our white card <laughs> and is this thing going to make us look like we're barbarians um, quote unquote barbarians are we you know is is this going to turn the tide of public opinion into revoking our white card i there's a part of me that that wonders that cuz I, I i mean i just recently saw a video that was just recently filmed where a woman used a slur against an italian man that I didn't even know existed. I actually had to look up, but, <laughs> but I mean, there are still people that, that view Italians as, as non white folks and think, yes. uh, think it's okay. Well, yes. they, they think it's okay to call anybody anything, but you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is in this country, immigrants have always had, a, a, an initiation period of being bullied, right? Except that here, there are two types of immigrants. They are perpetu perpetual immigrants, and there are immigrants that get to buy the, the white card, you know. And so it all depends on what part of, for, for those who buy the white cards, it all depends on what part of Europe or North Africa you are from <laughs> because I, I it, it, again I'm gonna go veer a little bit out of that but I don't know if you have heard of the term MENA M-E-N-A so you have you know Rashida Tlaib the uh, representative from Michigan she is of Palestinian descent and there is a part of that community of North Africans and Middle Easterns that don't want, in censuses, they don't want to be classified as Caucasians, right? Because here in the United States, you are either Hispanic or Latino, Black or African American, white or Caucasian, or Asian, and everything else is other. I've said this before on the show, most Americans, most white Americans don't know that Indians, Indians from India are South Asians. <laughs> so are Pakistanis and Iranians, <laughs> you know. So there's that. Like once you say Asian, people think, okay, Asian means mainly Chinese <laughs> or Japanese or something. Kung Fu. And so, right, <laughs> when... In, in the UK, for instance, when people talk about, oh, this Asian guy, most likely you're not looking at somebody from, you know, China or Thailand, or most likely talking about someone of Pakistani descent or, or something like that. And so there is a, 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 a part of the community of Middle Easterns and North Africans that would like to create the classification MENA. Middle Eastern, North African. Okay. In census. And therefore, have a community that can be better represented both politically and racially. Okay. As opposed to be bunched up with white people and yet being looked at a certain way where they don't get benefits. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's all in census, especially the last census, it was all about, let's create a way to get rid of the notion, to get rid of the notion that white people are falling into the minorities. And so what we're going to do is that any racially ambiguous person is going to be classified as white so that the numbers can be packed up. But we do know that when it comes time to allocate money, <laughs> We know exactly where that money is going to go for white people. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. And so, and so the MENA community is like, no, 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 we, we're not white. We are either Middle Easterns Middle East, Middle East and North Africans, and we would like to create that classification. And it's been fought against, 
And there are even people from the MENA community that are heavily against that for several reasons. And so what I'm trying to do here is to unpack the whole idea of, you know, why certain immigrant communities, how certain immigrants community get integrated into what we call buying the white cards. And some don't ever get to buy the white cards because there is no white card for Asians. Because how many times have you heard an Asian from California say, people ask them all the time, where are you people from? Meanwhile, <laughs> there are people that have been here since the 18, late 1800s. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and they never, they, they, you know, white people can bring themselves to see them and, and think of them as just another American, yeah. you know, and don't get me started about us black people, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, that that's the way you see it, Jojo, is exactly right. I think that was the fear of, of the Italian community. That's where they were coming from, but mostly out of ignorance in that respect of what exactly the book was about. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's not, it doesn't portray, it's written by an Italian man about, I mean, it's a fictionalized account of, of essentially his family and his life and people that he knew and things that he grew up with. So it's, if there's anything in there that's a stereotype, it's not there to be a stereotype. It's there because that's how he grew up, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. You know, that's, yes. it wasn't, it's yes. not there to be a slur or anything like that. It's because this is how we did things. Like the, the scene in the show where the, 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 the two Mario Puzo and um, Francis Ford Coppola are, are fighting over how the, you make sauce, you know, yes. and they were like, Oh, yes. that's, that's, you know, that's what happened in my family. So, I mean, somebody could be like, Oh, what an Italian thing, you know, that's so just stereotypical, but it's like, well, that's what happened. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because the thing about stereotypes is that it, it's the people outside the community or the race or the, or other gentilis that makes it a stereotype. To 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 the people who are inside that bubble, that's just a normal thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. the stereotype, the stereotyping it is just people people from the outside that are trying to create a sense of inferiority for those folks. Yes, yes. You know, it's I mean? different. Like, so therefore, it must be bad. So let's find a way to make fun of it. Yeah, I, I, I read a story about why is it that most people think that black people are crazy about uh, watermelon. <laughs> there's, there's an entire explanation for that, yet the stereotype exists. And the thing about stereotypes is that they're fucking lazy. So there's no background to it. It's just, they just if you're black, you're crazy about watermelon. <laughs> You know, I mean, like the notion that, oh, black people love chicken. I don't know. Can I tell you a terrible story? <laughs> you, you can cut this out if you need to, because it's really not relevant. But I really want to tell you this terrible story. Go on. <laughs> so as you know, I, I, I grew up in Maryland. I grew up in a rural part of Maryland. And there was a small chain of grocery stores that was owned by a local family. They were terrible grocery stores. They went out of business, oh, I God, I don't know, probably 30 years ago. But when I was a kid, they had a sale. And it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day sale. And all watermelons oh, oh and chicken oh. and fried chicken that the store made was oh, like boy. half off. And, and, oh my God. and even as a kid, I was like, that's fucked up. I mean... I didn't have the word <laughs> fucked up because I was a kid, you know, but that was essentially my thought process as a kid was like, the <laughs> shit. Oh my God. But it is just bad. It's just, it's just bad. But they like to them, they were genuinely like, no, we're doing this inclusive thing. We're including watermelons <laughs> and fried chicken for, for, for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I'm just. My, I remember my father getting the, because this was back in the days when you would get the sale paper, right? You know, and it would come in the mail and that kind of thing, getting the sales paper and like dying laughing because he was like, can you really believe that these people think this is okay? 
my god! I think they're doing you. something good. Anyway, sorry, I just had to share the that. <laughs> that's how lazy stereotypes are. The stereotypes are lazy. You know, um, when when I lived in the Dominican Republic, I remember I, I used to live in one of those houses where you rent a room and. Uh, food is included. They, for some reason, call it a pension, right? As a student, you you live there, you pay a monthly fee for rooming, and then the food is included. And I remember I used to come home, and there was I would go and check my food, and uh, the the time like it it included like boiled sweet potatoes and fish and stuff like that both things that I don't eat. And they were like, okay, I'll go out and find something to eat if I had the money. And <laughs> sometimes if I didn't have the money, I just like wouldn't eat. And the lady, that my, my landlady, asked me one time, can I ask you a question? You never eat the, the fish in the, in the sweet potatoes. And I'm like, right, I don't eat those. I'm okay with fish, but I, I like it a certain way, but I definitely don't eat boiled uh, sweet potatoes. And she's like, well, I made it with a lot of enthusiasm and love because, you know, you're Haitian, and Haitians love sweet potatoes. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, but, but, you know, I didn't feel that offended because she was an older lady, and I'm like, of course she has those stereotypes in her head, but I'm like, fuck's sake. My being Haitian has nothing to do with my taste like what is wrong with you <laughs> i remember she asked me one time if i um just, i noticed you never wear red and i'm like no i hate red i don't like red i, I don't do red and she's like you're a weird haitian aren't you because <laughs> you people love red <laughs> oh god i'm getting tired of this shit like seriously <laughs> but you know i had to bite my tongue because you don't you don't disrespect elders regardless you know so i was like oh my god this is <laughs> so far <laughs> and then it would get in my head because like i would go out and whenever i saw somebody wearing like bright red i'm like oh, oh please don't be a haitian please don't be a haitian i swear i swear because i was like oh man she's gonna be right she's gonna be right and, you know it's 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 bother. God, we're so far off in this conversation. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah. But can, anyway, <laughs> you can cut that out. But it's just I had to share. No, that no, no, no. <laughs> this is this is too good, man. They, they're gonna have to. This is gonna have to do this because we're talking about like Mario Puso did a beautiful book, and Mario Puso for me is people always talk about the movie Godfather and. In my heart, the real genius is Mario Puzo because it was his book that got converted into this movie. Now, what I didn't know is how much input art, the artistic optic of Francis Ford Coppola had on it. And this is what I'm learning. And I hope it's not an exaggerated take on it, but I'm loving it. I'm loving the collaboration of Puzo and Coppola. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think that, uh, as you said, I, I don't know how much of it is exaggerated or artistic poetic license, whatever you want to call it, but they have a great chemistry, uh, between the characters and between the actors. And I think that it's, uh, I, I, I think that Francis Ford Coppola has a, um, a real reputation for, for doing that, for being incredibly involved in every little thing that he possibly can be. Um, so I, I, I don't see that this is probably exaggerated very much. So I, I, I do think that, I just think it's lovely that he and, and Mario Puzo were, were so involved in, in making this a, a labor of love, if you will. Yes. Part of the reason I love Mario Puzo is that I remember getting a book by Puzo that wasn't really incredibly popular at all. And I saw a picture of him in the back of the book where he was sat in like a very humble desk. Like you could tell that was at his house, his little office 
with his little ponytail and a big, big Italian dude, you know, with very heavy arms and his cigar. And I'm like, this is a writer. <laughs> you know, all of, all of that glamour and elegance that they want you to, to think of, like, you know, yeah, Hemingway had a house in Cuba and shit, like very nice taste and shit. All that glamour is bullshit. Writers are people who eat badly, smoke a lot, probably drink a lot, and get into the zone, and and you can't get get them out of that little corner where they're writing. That's my idea of a writer, and Puzo looked like that to me. And I'm like, I fucking love this guy, not only because he, he wrote uh, The Godfather, but because this, that's what he looks like. And this is why I am so happy with the casting of uh, uh, Patrick Gallo as Puzo because he looks exactly like the man. I think I right. think it's brilliant casting for looks wise, and I also think that he is just a great actor. Like he's he's yes, in yes. the four episodes that we've seen. I think he's really done a fabulous job with bringing to life the insecurities of of the writer and the the overwhelmingness of being introduced to the world of Hollywood. And, and yes. I, I, I think that it's, yeah, brilliant casting. And to me, I think one of the part that, that in this series that I realize, okay, they've done justice to Mario Puzo in, in many ways. I didn't know the man, but I'd like to think that's what, who he was when he was confronted by Sinatra. Yes. Didn't back down. Yes. Like the fact that he was an artist and a writer and shit doesn't mean that he wasn't a rough guy from that grew up with Italians yelling at him and shit. So he picked up a knife right away and put it right there. Fuck off. What do you want? Yeah. You know, like, I'm coming to you with all my respect and shit. You're going to come at me like that? No. You know what I mean? I was like, yo, that's, 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 that's my dude. And I hope if this happened, that's, that's the way it went down. Because... The, the the cliche about a writer or an artist and she's like oh, he's, a, he's the guy that everybody picked on and shit. Mm-hmm. No, Puzo showed like, oh, you playing a tough guy. Remember, man, you just a little singer and shit. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will coach you. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, oh, that was dope. I think you know. Again, four episodes. You should watch it. But let's talk about the cast. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Miles Taylor? As Albert S. Rudy. I I like him. I do. I like him. But ever since I read that Army Hammer was originally cast and had to drop out because of everything that's going on with Army Hammer. Yeah. I I wish I hadn't read that because now I I can see Army Hammer in that slot and for whatever reason it works better for me. Like I, I feel that Army Hammer really? carries that white male privilege steamroll <laughs> belief that I am going to do what I believe in and fuck all the rest of you and I'm going to get it done that this particular guy, Reddy, had to have to make this movie happen. So I just need to get over that. That's all it is. So I think I think he's I think he's good. I think he's doing a great job. But I just wish I hadn't read that Army Hammer was supposed to be it originally. I didn't know about the bit of Army Hammer, but I I can tell you. I don't know if you've watched a little, you know, behind the scenes after the show is over and stuff. But I, you know, since I've seen the real Al Roddy and the way he talks about going about this thing. I feel like Miles Teller is selling the fuck out of it. And uh, again, I didn't know about Ami Hammer, so I can't see anybody else really playing this role. I, I think he's he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, and I unfortunately, because when you told me to, I, to look, you know, that this is what we were going to be talking about, I started reading about it. So I unfortunately read that before I got to see this performance. So, so I got colored a little bit by that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the character of Betty McCart. I I remember when I first started watching the show, I saw the actress and I'm like, I know this actress, I know this actress. Who the fuck is she? Who the fuck is she? But who is she? But who is she? And the reason I know her, of course, is because she is Killy 
on Ted Lasso. Yes. <laughs> She's killing on Ted Lasso. Yes. But the thing is, I had not ever seen Juno Temple speaking with an American accent. I am so used to her doing her thing with the Cockney accent and shit that, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I was taken aback and I couldn't even remember her name. <laughs> and I had to look it up. And I'm like, oh, that's Juno Temple? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's awesome. But she is killing it. She's so good. She is. She is so I hope Betty McCart was that type of badass woman. Yeah. You know, because, like, she is. Let me say this. The women on this show are a force to be reckoned with. And I love it. And I love how they play to the epoch of the show, but it still shows how powerful they are. Yeah. Like, they're not, like, rum-raging anybody and, like, stepping on anybody's toe or anything. But the things that they do behind the scene is what makes everything happen. Yeah. So, you know, Betty McCart and, you know, Juno Temple playing Betty McCart and also I, what's her name? Uh, Stephanie Koenig playing Andrea Eastman. Mm -hmm. I think those are two characters, especially in this fourth episode. Andrea Eastman has this, almost a monologue, speaking with Al Roddy, that I'm like, if you ever need a woman next to you, because I, I hate the word woman behind you, the phrase woman behind you, if you ever needed a woman next to you telling you here's what you should believe and take my word for it, that's it right there. I was insane. Yeah. Yeah. I am very impressed, and trust me when I tell you this, I saw the Brando part, and I knew that I knew the actor. But I'm I'm happy to find out that this is the actor playing Brando, Justin Chambers. I think his stint with a Grey's Anatomy kind of like made him typecast him a bit, yeah. and the fact that he is killing it. As Brando, that first introduction was absolutely moving, Georgia. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. No, he, he, he's great in it. And I think he, you know, that somewhere someone had referred to him as baby Brando way back in the day or something. Because <laughs> he does have like a, he looks like Brando. So, yes. um, so yeah, the fact that he can also play Brando is, is, is really, really great. And uh, yeah, he's he is he is good in this. He really is very very good in this. And the voice, Georgia, yeah. the voice, yeah. the phrasing, the cadence. Yes, man. Like I'm like really really impressed. I'm like who is this? Who is this? I'm not gonna find out. I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna look. And when I started looking at the cast, I'm like, oh, Justin Chambers. That's the dude from Grey's Anatomy. That's him. Yeah. Definitely, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Dan Fogler as Francis Ford Coppola, amazing, amazing. I think Francis Ford is a bit taller than him, though. I think so, yeah. But other than that, that's the man. Yeah, he's that's the man. He's he's very good. I, I think he might be one uh, of one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah, still to me too. Yeah. to me, because of what you can see, how passionate. Of his speeches are like the most passionate. It, it actually reminds me of Mad Men. Mm -hmm. You know, how passionately that dude uh, used to make his speeches. And, and this guy's speeches are, when he talks about the Godfather, his artistic vision for the Godfather are so, so great yeah. that you can't resist. You're like, yeah, man, go do, go do your thing. Yeah. Just go. Here's the money. Go do your thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of our favorite actors in the world, Giovanni Ribisi. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I still think that this guy is underrated. I think Hollywood is taking this guy for granted. Agreed. And this is one of the greatest actors out there, man. This guy is 
good. He is. He really oh, he's is. good. He's good. He's good. And he's. I can't say enough about him. He's man. been in the business so long. <laughs> my. So my, long. He my. needs. He needs more. Rec- more uh, recognition. Yes, and like. <laughs> This guy just doesn't Mm-mm. do mediocre. He doesn't do anything. Like, he does no wrong. Yeah. He does no he's wrong. fantastic. You know. And, and, and he's, like, every scene he's on, you, you like, yeah. you believe the, the, the aura of power and scariness. Everything that you need to believe of a mobster, he's got it. The, the teasing you don't know if this guy really wants to kill you or if he's just trying to scare you. But either way, you shitless scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, Matthew Good plays Robert Evans, the high top executive. There's something about this guy's character that bothers me. And it's his speech. He sounds... Like Regis Philbin to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Is that what you hear? (laughs) Oh, you're very, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're completely right. Ever since I started watching the show, I kept telling Christine, this dude sounds like he's a bad imitation of Regis Philbin. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I read a couple of reviews where people were like, "Oh, Matthew Good is fantastic in this, and he's the best thing about it." And I'm I'm watching it, and I'm like, "I'm now, you know, I'm not officially a critic. You know, I don't have the license <laughs> or the <laughs> education or whatever the fuck you're supposed to have." But I'm like, I'm not seeing it. Like to me, he's chewing the scenery, honestly. And I've seen him in other things, and he's been good. So I just, I don't know. His take on this character, I'm like, ugh. And, and like, he, he looks, he sounds and looks and moves like the perfect 1970s schmuck that has a lot of money and things like he's a smooth talker type of dude, right? But it it, it kills me when he does the little thing. Yes. It's too much. It's too much. It's over the top. It's weird. Like, no. Don't do that, mate. Don't (laughs) Don't do that. Please stop. Somebody tie this guy's arms to his back. (laughs) Like, that's riches, man. That's riches. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad you nailed that down because it was bothering me. He's playing somebody, but who is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I'm also disappointed at the the fact that Colin Hanks is not more prolifically featured. I, I don't like the character, the subservient kind of like behind the scene man, like really petty character by the way. Very petty character. That he Very plays. Petty character. And and he I think he's doing because I, I, you know, I love Colin Hanks. I think he's fantastic and very underrated and has nothing to do with his dad <laughs> being Tom yeah. Hanks. I think he's yeah. just his own level of amazing. But, and I think he's acting the hell out of this part, but you're right. I, yeah. I, I think he's being underutilized and I think it's a, I don't think it's a great part for him. I think, I don't know. I, I almost feel like he would have been good in the part that Matthew Good is playing. Yes, yes, yes. I, I would have preferred him there. Yeah. So there are four characters that I'm very impressed with the casting. So we've talked about uh, Juno Temple, Justin Chambers, right? Don Fogler. And then I have to talk about Anthony Ippolito as Al Pacino. Oh my God, the very, very first time, which was on episode three, that I saw this kid, my wife asked me, are you sure he's not his son? Yes. And I'm like, I don't know, dude, but that's him. That's him. Yes. 
can you actually be alive and still be reincarnated? Like, is that is that a thing? I don't know, but it honestly, it it's breathtaking. It is. Yes, he is breathtaking. Yes. He really, really, really is. And he is good at at playing Pacino in the sense that Pacino has like the younger Pacino had this really weird humbleness about him. Mm-hmm. The I'm never looking you in the eyes, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, yeah, man. Uh, let's let's just get done with this. Like this kid is nailing it. It's so so good. It's so good, man. I was like, wow. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, he is. He he's fantastic. Yeah. And I'm I I'm glad they found him. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Michael Gandolfini is on this, but I can't seem to know or remember who is Andy Calhoun. He's playing a dude named Andy Calhoun, but I don't know who that guy is. I, I don't, unless, you know, I don't know what episodes he's shown, he shows on, but. Maybe it's one we haven't seen yet. Yeah, yeah, he's credited as Andy Calhoun there. I don't know. I haven't seen this character, I don't think. That's you know. a. It doesn't sound familiar to me either, but I don't know. It's only been um, four episodes, so I love the character of uh, Andrea Eastman. As I said before, she is Stephanie Koenig, but a character that I that I, I really admire because of sort of like a badassness behind her is that of uh, Françoise Nora Anzeder. She is French, but uh, Anisida sounds more German to me than anything else. But it looks like a, it to her bio, her father was Austrian and her mother was Egyptian. Okay. Yeah, Wolfgang Anisida and Pierre. Whatever. Yeah, man, she... I like her. I like her for this role and... I love a woman that knows what she wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, whether whether is in, in in fiction or in real life, um, she's she's not a pussy footer. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-mm. And and I fucking I, I love this character for that. I love I love her. and I think she's killing it. I love her yeah. on this character. I, I, you know, the entire time I've seen her, the character with with Al, Al Roddy, I kept thinking, she's too good for him. I hope she fucking lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no yeah. offense, man. Yeah. No offense. But no. I think yeah. I think the character is too good for yeah. for, for Roddy. Yeah. They're they're not yeah. a good match. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about Patrick Gallo as Mario Puso. I I shit. I don't know what else to say, man. Yeah. <laughs> to to this is Right on the money. And as you said, he's an absolutely fantastic actor too. The, the chemistry between Patrick Gallo and Don Fogler has made this series. I agree. For me, if you didn't cast the right Puzo and the right Francis Ford Coppola, you don't have this series. Yeah. You don't have this series. Yeah. Everybody else that they've gotten right is perfect. And the fact that they got... Anthony Polito that looks like the young Al Pacino that we all got introduced to <laughs> in The Godfather is amazing. But, dude, Patrick Gallo, Dan Fogler, those are the dudes that make this, you know. Lou Ferrigno is in there too, you know, playing a little mobster and shit, like a little enforcer. <laughs> and we all have this weird love for Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It's just, I don't know. You like public figures that we love and they just like, you know, in every generation, it's not like, like I, I think millennials and Gen Zers know, you know, Mike Tyson and Lou Ferrigno. Like these are the two people that will always carry through <laughs> generation by generation as yeah, we love you. You know what I'm saying? Like, when we see you, like, oh, I don't know. It's just that, you know? Yeah. The fact that the two of them also speak like babies, so. 
they're that, you know. <laughs> I'm not making fun of disabilities or anything like that. I'm just saying that I, I love the fact that Mike Tyson, one of the toughest dudes in the world, has lisp, speaks with a lisp. And, uh, you know, Lou Ferrigno, who we know is deaf, uh, speaks, has that little, you know, lispy sound to it. But they're like big teddy bears, and we love them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, who else has impressed you in there? We actually really already talked about her, but uh, I, I, I really like Juno Temple in this. I, I like how um, how she's playing this particular character. I think it's a character that she's she is able to put some some good flesh on the on the bones of the character, if you will, and. Uh, yeah. So I know we already talked about her, but I, I, for me, it was Juno Temple, Juno Temple and Dan Fogler and um, Patrick Gallo to me are the, the ones that are really, yeah. really, really good. They're carrying this shit on their shoulder, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, one of the things I like about Juno Temple is that no matter how minimal of her character she's playing, you can always see a brand of feminism in that character. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's a always mostly well dignified representation of woman. Um, Agreed. Regardless of how shallow the character might be. Agreed. And I and I love her for that. Yeah. You know, I I love her for that. She she she's she's a smart actress. She brings something to characters that. You get to fall in love with, but you also get to discover their value in a very different way that I don't know that anybody else could do. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She's fantastic. Yes. So the series is called The Author, The Making of the Godfather. It's a limited series on Paramount+. Plus. I don't know... Uh, it's crazy because when we were doing our what's streaming this month packet, I didn't see that. I didn't even see anything about coming on on, on Paramount. I didn't either. So sure. If you don't have Paramount Plus, you probably if you're interested in the series, you should look into it. And I said we're all about streaming, and I know that there is this idea out there that. At the end of the day, streaming is going to wind up costing exactly like cable or more. It doesn't have to be like that. There are ways to go about it. And, you know, we're not necessarily here to tell you, you know, a, how to cheat or whatever. But, yeah, there are, there are ways to go about it that it's not, it's not, it's not necessarily going to cost you like cable because we've done it. We, you know. We have access to streaming platforms, pretty much all of them, and uh, we manage, haven't we, Judge? We do our thing. I, I cannot stand to just watch regular cable TV. I, I just won't do that. Nope. So, so streaming, I've been streaming for the better part, like totally streaming for the better part of, of 10 years now. Um, Same here, actually. Same here. Yeah. Before YouTube TV, uh, I used to have that other one that belonged to AT&T. Uh, it was kind of shite, but it was the first thing that that was totally streaming. Um, what was it called, Georgia? Uverse. That's what I used to have. Okay. Uverse. I used to have Uverse. And it was shite again, but... It was the thing at the time. YouTube TV came along and boom. And then in terms of the other streaming platforms, I've adopted them as they've come along and still not costing me as much as cable. So there's that. Uh, what I mean by that is get Paramount Plus if it's good for you and watch the show. Otherwise, find ways to watch it. Four episodes so far. Really good. We most, recommend it. Most and most, you know, streaming things come with a like a, a month free or something like that. So 
yeah. you can sign up for a free month and see what you think. But yeah, as they come out with originals, then I think we'll probably be featuring them more. Yeah, and and remember, if you have if if you have Prime Video, then you can just Amazon Prime. You can just put them as add-ons to that's true your account. That's true. You know that's how we do BritBox. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did Showtime like that for a while, and then when the show that I was watching was over, well, yeah, thanks, man. Well, good. See, I, that's the other thing, too, that I like about streaming services is that they're much easier to cancel than, say, your traditional cable. You're not waiting oh, yes. on hold for four hours to tell, talk to somebody who's going to try yeah. to talk you out of it. You just click a button and you're done. So. And you're done. Yeah. yeah. So look into streaming if you're not streaming and uh, look into these channels, if you, these new streaming platforms, if you, have, if you don't have them. Remember, you know, the sharing, pro the sharing process. Anyway, so... If you would like to find us on uh, the net, you can find us on, on every social media platform, specifically Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. You can find Jojo on Instagram as KNS co-host, right, Jojo? That's me. KNS co-host. You'll find us. On YouTube, we've got a lot of things going on right now. So if you haven't seen what's happening for the, the month of May, Go check it out. Also put out a What Did You Watch Last Week episode. So go watch it too. Mm -hmm. And then um, we'll catch you up here next next week. Next week. Same bat huh? time, same bat channel. Is it bat channel? Yeah, bat channel. <laughs> for me and for Jojo, this is goodbye. Thank you very much for listening and for watching. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you've found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.